Hello, Wildcats. All right, what's up, Cool Cats, and welcome back to another episode of the Cool Cat Corner. The Wildcats are through to another grand final series. Trevor Gleason's coach of the year, Bryce Cotton, third-time MVP. I touch on it all, but I don't want to take too much of your time right now. I just want to thank you so much for joining me here today. What I will do, because we have a packed pod coming for you guys, I'm talking review Illawarra, preview Melbourne United, and touch on the Gazies. It's all fresh in the mind. Right now, though, I'm going to send you back to the press room after Game 3 of Perth, Illawarra, and you're going to be joined by Brian Gorgian. So enjoy this episode, guys. Kick back and relax. This is the Cool Cats Corner. I just think he's a, 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 there's tremendous, Trevor and I go back a long way, a long, when he was coaching at Melbourne, Trevor, when he was in California, my dad's 95, Trevor was, when he was working in the States, would come and visit my dad and call me and make sure my dad was okay and talk basketball with him. He's a class act and a friend off the floor. And then coming here, and as I said before, what he's built here in the half court, you know, Bryce Cotton's out of this, and he takes a team like this and um, gets them to the final. He wins the hub. Half-court structure, uh, the shots they get, um, the usage of their strengths. So now they don't have Bryce, and now they're running, you know, uh, these different. In each game, it's something different that you're dealing with. And in the clutch, in the crunch, he always his teams get good shots. They play great defense. And there's no there's no messing around, man. It, it's physical. It's war, and I, I love it. I, I love. Um, there's no BS on the side. You just coach, shake hands, respectful. Um, I admire him. I admire him, and I admire what he's done here. It's it's something that uh, you look at, and and that's that's the goal. I keep. It's not a one year thing. It's it's um, building something like this. So again, um, nothing but nothing but respect. So in NBL 21, the Hawks turned their franchise around. They got the name Illawarra back. They pulled themselves into a competitive slog with the best team in the business. And the way that Gorgian spoke about Gleason in that audio you just listened to in the post-game presser was one of complete respect. A hard-fought battle between two of the NBL's most winning coaches, a series in which two of the best defensive minds in the business rallied their troops, stole games away from home, and ended up with the Wildcats winning the day in Game 3 advancing to the NBL 21 Grand Final Series against Melbourne United. But hearing Gorge speak just then, you know that Gleason would have the exact same respect and worse to say if it was the other way around. Maybe our guy Trev would have been a little bit more frustrated. Gorge has this incredible calmness, this calm nature in the press conferences, in the press room. So for me, just like many of you out there, Gorge is the GOAT. I'm not going to kick up that debate. But what I will say is Trev Gleason just put his hat in the ring. This was a series for the ages. No Bryce Cotton. Mitch Norton injured partway through the series. Toddy Blanchford going into that NBL second team form, which you just love to see. The Hawks stealing game one in Perth. Then the Wildcats stealing one straight back with all in Illawarra. And then we secure it at home. So the elusive three-piece still within our grasp. And is this the year we finally do it? Third time's a charm. We've been talking about it since the start of the season. or As soon as we won that back-to-back championship in NBL 20. But we didn't do it in 1991, lost in 92. We didn't do it 16-17. United won in 18, obviously. But this is a really good chance for the Wildcats because when you look at the outlook of this final series, 
The Wildcats have gone to the grand final nine times in the last 12 seasons. Five times under Gleeson, and five times they've walked away champions. That's a 5-0 record in grand final series under Trevor Gleeson. He stamped his authority on Gorgeous Hawks this season, going 5-2 and two if you include the regular season and postseason, but particularly 2-1 and one this series. And let's go through some averages from some Wildcats this series, particularly Todd Blanchfield, because he went from 14.6 points per game in the regular season to almost 20 points per game, and he was also getting it done on the defensive end, putting in 1.7 steals per game this series. Just an incredible effort down both ends of the court by what is now the Wildcats' leading man. What I also thought would be fun to do was just pick out some of the best individual player performances which I thought the Wildcats had throughout the entire series. So I particularly think back to uh, Kevin White in Game 2. So 6 points, 6 assists, 5 rebounds, and the big thing was 24 minutes played. We know that Mitch Norton went down injured in that game, played minimal minutes, I think it was around 10 minutes. Kevin White really stood up in that win away from home to steal that important Game 2 in the gong. Another player I want to nail in on, and I've, I've just touched on him, but it's Toddy Blanchfield because he had two huge performances in Game 1 and Game 3 of 24 points. In Game 1, he had that heartbreaking, buzzer-beating miss which would have blown the roof off RAC Arena. I promise you that I was in there. It was, it was building for that moment, but unfortunate not to hit it. But 24 points in that game, 24 points in Game 3. The man stood up playing 33 and 35 minutes in those games, respectively. So huge workload, huge effort on both sides of the court. He did get a little bit clumsy with the basketball, but such a workload on one man is going to do that to you. And you just kind of have to take that as collateral damage when you get such a complete all-round game from Todd Blanchfield. The third player I wanted to pick out was John Mooney. And in fact, it was his Game 3 which just blew me out of the water. His Game 3 went really unrecognized because Luke Travis and the entire team were really rallying hard in that hard-fought battle to really put away the Hawks. But 16 points, 15 rebounds, 2 assists. He only turned the ball over once. He had a block as well. But in that game, he stood up when he needed to stand up. Will Magne suffering foul trouble, fouling out early. John Mooney was really left out there on an island. and He stood up and he did exactly what he needed to do. He got his head ripped off a couple of times by Trev. But that's to be expected in the pressure cooker, which is game three of the semifinal in RAC Arena. So I have to give him his roses there. Mitch Norton, so last night, 15 points, two steals, two assists, four rebounds. And that was in 29 minutes of game time. Playing on that injured leg, I think he hurt himself again. We all saw that incredible effort that he put in to dive across the floor like Superman and save that ball. He well and truly got his props on uh, the socials, and, and good thing he did because the man is playing an incredible, incredible final series. He's had an incredible season. Him along with Blanchfield, Mooney, and this little sprinkle of Travers, which I'm really enjoying as well, are really coming together to form the core of this team. And on Luke Travers, I want to say that his entire series, and we know this, this is definitely a man who got his props on social media, and then again by Damo Martin in RAC Arena Game 3, when he had that peroxide blonde mullet on, it's just... Fantastic stuff by Damo. He just keeps killing it, lifting it to another level every single time. Every single thing he does, he excels at. So why are we surprised that he's incredible at courtside? But Luke Travers this series, he averaged 10.7 points per game, 3 assists, 7.3 rebounds, 3.3 offensive rebounds to lead the Wildcats in offensive rebounds. That's a team with John Mooney. 1 steal and 0.7 blocks per game. And this is on around 27 minutes consistently of basketball. So we've what, played 27, 27, 26 and a half. So yeah, 27 minutes of basketball regularly. He's upped his points from 4.3 to 10.7, upped his rebounds 2.8 to 7.3, and upped his assists as well. So 0.723, so, which is just incredible output. So it's been brought upon with an increase of minutes, obviously, from 11 to 27. It's going to have those types of increases. But you also need to take control of those opportunities when you're given them. And I feel that Luke Travers really has. Earlier on in the season, giving the starting role, wound back the minutes, 
at that point, he wasn't commanding his minutes and Trev saw that and he's grown throughout the season. He's traveled with his team. He's, he's put in a heap of hard practices. Uh, he would have grown with this team just immensely. And now he's playing important finals minutes. And that's the perfect usage of a guy like Luke Travers. His game two in particular was just phenomenal, pulling in five offensive rebounds. I know he pulled four in in game three as well, which is out of this world incredible from, from the bloke. Uh, in that game two as well, well documented was his double-double, 13 points, 10 rebounds. But the impact he has on the court is incredible. His ability to clean the defensive glass and then get down the court so quickly, rise above the rim and throw it down, it's its the type of thing you really look for. It's, it's when you're reading classic basketball books and, and these guys talk about these unicorn-like players and they have these abilities. And why, that's one of those abilities, to clean the glass, get down the court that quickly and just be above the rim that quickly before anyone else. That It's, it's kind of like a cheat code. I'm very excited for what Luke Travers has in store. And I'm excited to see what he can bring come the grand final series against Melbourne United because he's going to be a vital piece against a really versatile wing formation there. He's going to have to deal with the likes of Scotty Hobson, Mitch McCarron. He's going to be switched on to Landau. He's going to be switched on to JLA. He's going to be made accountable every single time he stands on that court. And, and game after game, I get more confidence that he's going to lift to the challenge. So bring on the grand finals. But before we do that, I have banged on all year on the socials on here about the four factors that Real GM, that stat-taking website, record when they're recording these NBL games. And once again, those four factors are offensive rebounding, your turnover ratio, the amount that you can get to the free throw line, and your ability to shoot the ball efficiently. Now, I, I took these four factors from all of our games. I made a simple formula. And from our 39 games in NBL 21, our 17 best performances all resulted in wins. So you can kind of see that the formula generated a favorable outcome in that sense and consistent results. So our 18th best performance of the year, according to these stats, we took a loss to Brisbane in the cup, and that was only a two-point loss. So you can see it was a tight ball game either way. And I think we lost that game, what, 89, 91, 92? My memory fades on that game particularly, but it wasn't exactly a bad performing game by us. But the reason I bring up these rankings and how I've ranked our games performances is because we have 39 games to look at. And our three performances against the Hawks ranked 34th, 28th, and 27th, respectively. So 34th, we, en- we ended up losing that game. Our 28th best performance, which was game two, we won. And our 27th best performance, which was game three, we also won. As we performed better in these four categories, the more likely we were to win games. And we did that in two and three. However, without Bryce Cotton, our best team's performance only ranks as 20th best. And that was against the Sydney Kings in our fifth matchup with them. But this itself is a really concerning factor, and it points to a really big problem. We're missing the NBL 21 MVP. He does so much more for this team than what you can actually see on the court. The numbers do really well reflect it. There's players where numbers don't quite add up and you look at the guy and you think, why why aren't you doing better analytically? Bryce Cotton, his numbers are off the charts as well as optically he's just so pleasing to watch and he kills opposition time and time again. So we need to fix that up when we play against United. We're going to look at this United matchup really closely next. But before we take a step on, I just wanted to say one final Big congratulations to Jesse Wagstaff. So he's going for his seventh and record-breaking NBL championship. In his performances, 6.7.7 points. He was, uh, he was a marvel all series long, and he did just what he needed to do. So great boxing out late in game three when we needed to get defensive rebounds to secure the win. Not afraid to take the shot, not afraid to get to the line. And the ability to take Bairstow out, and as good as Bairstow's been, but the ability to take him out and replace him with Wagstaff to play in that death lineup... It does wonders for the Wildcats, and you can't underestimate that that particular play by Gleason because Gleason's thinking a step ahead of them already. He's not resting his stars, but he's making those incremental changes, the benefits in in such slight ways, and it's and it's so much fun to watch. So hopefully we're going to get more of that against Vickerman. 
Our final roses to the Illawarra Hawks. What they've been able to do this year has been awesome, and I've loved watching it. To lose a guy like Dengadel halfway through the year, who just seemed to smoke bomb out of there, to recoup and get the team together, and awesome final series. It was one for the ages, one I'm definitely not going to forget. Hopefully this isn't the last we ever see of Gorgian and Gleeson. Look, even thinking about it right now, you're taking a step from a guy like Gorgian to Vickerman is like going from a Harley Davidson to... Shit, I don't know my bikes. Um, why don't I pick something I don't know? Uh, basketball. It's like going from Michael Jordan, the player, to Michael Jordan, the GM. <laughs> I don't know. But on that, let's roll into this NBL 21 Grand Final Series preview with the Perth Wildcats coming up against Melbourne United. All right, comparing Vickerman to Jordan, the GM, is maybe a little too far. He did win that title in 2018, which was the last year the Wildcats didn't win the title. We were going for that three-peat, that 2016, 2017, 2018. Melbourne and Vickerman coming up strong in the clutch and uh, putting the Wildcats away that year. We responded really well by 19, 20, and this year we've put ourselves back in the grand final against Melbourne United for that rematch. Hopefully a chance at redemption. Hopefully that elusive three-peat, which was spoken all season long about. But the Wildcats having the edge over the coaching matchup might be where their advantages fade. United are one of the most well-put-together teams and executive of the year for United there. I, his name passes my head, and, and so it should. It's a stupid award, but the um, he's done a really good job putting this team together. Obviously, you don't know spend when teams are put together. Teams like Melbourne and Perth are going to have big spend, and it's hard to judge who should be executive of the year. But he has done a really good job in putting together a side which is extremely deep, great on both ends of the court. So they were the best defensive team in basketball this year, and I think third best offensive team in basketball this year. So as you can see there, they're an absolute mountain of a team to overcome. That being said, I truly believe that this squad... This squad right here, with everything it's been through, with the crazy, crazy schedule, which is NBL 21, I believe that they've gone through enough adversity that they can come out the other side and win this three-peat. Call me crazy. I truly believe they're a good chance. You may call me a hopeful optimist. That is probably very, very fair, especially when I read you out a couple of the stats regarding Melbourne this year. They've been incredible, like I've said. So they were the best team at shooting the ball efficiently. They were the second best team in terms of offensive rebounds. We were the first best team. They did struggle to look after the ball, though. They were the eighth best team looking after the ball, Perth coming in first. But as we saw when those Illawarra Hawks nailed down on us and really put the squeeze on, we were in a fair bit of strife. And United do have that caliber defensive perimeter player. The guys like Illy, McCarron, McDaniel, Barber, they have these guys who are going to put pressure on us. They're going to play that high court press. They're going to see what Gorgian did so well against us. And we're going to have to look after the ball. So they didn't do a great job looking after it. I'm a little bit worried about how we're going to look after it this grand final series. But a positive from all of this is that we do get to the line the best rate in the NBL. United get there at the seventh best rate, settling for those jumpers, kicking into Jock Landale for the open shot is where a lot of their offense comes from. So it's not a lot of contested shots, but that has happened to generate them the third best defensive rating, as I said, and the first best defensive rating. Interestingly, they play at the second quickest pace in the NBL. So when they meet us, we're going to be playing at an extremely slow pace. In our last matchup with them, this was the game without Bryce Cotton, we really tried to slow the ball down. We we played at the slowest place we played against them in all five games we've met them in the series. And let me tell you, it did not work out well for us. So we ended up putting in our second worst team performance out of our 39 performances of the year. So as you can see, we've tried to go a little bit slower. I have no doubt we're going to go slow again because they have the weapons to kill us if we go quick. It's a serious talent mismatch in terms of the depth and in terms of the first and second teams when you put them out there. So we're going to have to go slow and we're going to have to execute well. We're going to have to do it a lot better than what we saw in that final game of the season. That being said, 
we did not have Mitch Norton in that final game of the season. So do you expect that ball security to be there come this final series with Mitch Norton running the offense, hopefully 75% of the time? We've played United five times. We've gone two and three against them. Our two wins involving the MVP of the league, Bryce Cotton. This time around, we don't have Bryce Cotton. As you can see by our record, we haven't had a ton of success. What we're going to have to stop by Melbourne, what they do really well, is their handoff plays, their post-up plays, and their transition plays. And the big one of those three is obviously their post-ups. They have big Jock Landau there. He's going to get doubled. He's going to need to be doubled unless Magne can contain him. Not control him, but try and contain him. Magne himself, 23 years old, 208 centimeters. And Jock Landau, slightly bigger, 25 years old, 211 centimeters. But they, they honestly look like the same type of build out there. And if anyone's going to match up with Jock Landau, it's Will Magne. And you better believe that's the reason they signed Will Magne this year. It wasn't to try and help them through the final series. It was to overcome Melbourne United. And that man will will earn his money come this final series. He's going to be put to the sword. Jock Landau is a beast. We've seen that time and time again. We saw it in that final game three where he put that team on his back and just carried them offensively through the entire game over Southeast Melbourne. We have to have a plan in the post. Will Magne is going to need to, like I said, contain, not control, but do his best to try and limit the effect that Jock Landau has. Because after that game three, we should have Liam Santa Maria coming on the mic, game one of this final series, and pretty much say that this is a David versus Goliath situation. This United team is stacked. They've had that one injury to Jack White, but apart from that, they've been pretty solid the entire way through. Our Perth Wildcats are lacking the MVP of the league, expected to miss the finals. Our coach of the year, thank the Lord, is going to bring his men into fight against Vickerman. Game one this Friday night, game two Sunday, both in the jungle due to the COVID restrictions. So had we played against Southeast Melbourne, we could have had three home games, and we, which could have potentially been a three-game series sweep in Perth and been all celebrations here in WA. But we do have to overcome this Melbourne United team who is extremely good. And we're going to have to overcome it without Bryce Cotton, who I did my MVP votes throughout the season. And in the four games he played against Melbourne United, he was best on, I think, two or three times and second best on the other times. The Perth offense will need to continue to run through Todd Blanchfield. And let me tell you that Todd has not had the best year against Melbourne United. It's been quite rough. He has been well below his shooting averages. And when you look at his particular heat map against United, you can see they do such a good job in containing him. Generally, they do like to put McCarran on him just because there is a bit more size down there. And McCarran does a fantastic job defensively on him. So we're going to have to try and get him a little bit loose because when he does get loose, the dude goes off. And he's a complete Swiss Army knife out there. Does everything you need well. And his offense in that final series against Illawarra was incredible. He's going to need to bring that to the next level and I'm, I'm not sure what that next level exactly is for Todd though I feel he's gonna have to put in a few more 24 point performances for us to get over Melbourne United in this tricky tricky series so all that being said what's my prediction for this one I think we'll get that first one in the jungle just due to the rest between games and and the travel from Melbourne from from east to west and those road warriors have been traveling hard we know that but I do think that they're going to struggle a little bit in game one game two I think they pinch game three we go over there conditions permitting and I think we pinch that one I think they back it up in game four and i honestly can't call it either way i have to go wildcats because we're a wildcats podcast it'd be silly not to and and boy would we rejoice if they did but for me it's a complete coin toss in a game five you look to the coaches you look to the guys who are drawing on the whiteboard and you, you look to vickerman you look to gleason and you think i might want to be wearing red at that point but game five is a long way away We've got this grand final series. We got game one on Friday. Deck the place out, Red Army. We need that place rocking. We need uh, friendly social commentary. At the same time, we need to make that place feel like hell for United and Jock Landale. So make some noise. I'll see you in the jungle. Cats in five.
one finalists. Making his long-awaited return to the NBL, Brian Gorgian from the Illawarra Hawks. The man who led his team to the league's regular season title, Dean Vickerman from Melbourne United. Winner of five of the past seven NBL championships, Trevor Gleeson from the Perth Wildcats. It is now my great privilege to announce that this year's Lindsay Gay's Trophy for Coach of the Year goes to Trevor Gleeson from the Perth Wildcats. Congratulations, Trevor Gleeson, the 2021 NBL Coach of the Year. G'day, guys. Thanks a lot for the award. It, it does mean a lot. It's a, um, a really good reflection on our coaching staff here and, and our players have had an outstanding year for the journey we've had. It's a really reflection on their performance for the year. So thank you very much. It, it is much appreciated to have the Lindsay Goes Trophy. And it's absolutely my pleasure to announce that uh, this season's MVP is Bryce Cotton from the Perth Wildcats. This is Cotton's third time receiving the Andrew Gaze Trophy, which ties the great Leroy Loggins for the second most MVP trophies in NBL history. Congratulations, Bryce Cotton, the 2021 NBL Most Valuable Player. Uh, I just want to say I'm very appreciative to be selected for the NBL MVP. Um, it's always an honor to, you know, receive that recognition from your peers and guys that you battle against, especially in a league as competitive as this. There you go, Wildcats. The gazes are over and they were painted red once again. We now have a three-time MVP in Bryce Cotton. Arguably could be fourth. Not going to let myself think dark thoughts now. But we also have the coach of the year. And finally, honestly... Finally, they say this is a regular season award. I'm not too sure. You have to kind of show me the votes and when they're sent in for me to believe it. But had Gorgian beat Gleason in this final series, I'm not sure this would have gone this way. So thank God that we have one in the bag. And that's Trevor Gleason, coach of the year, 2021. Fingers crossed he can wrap this thing up with a dub, a three-peat before maybe, maybe there's rooms out there that he might be heading off. You saw a little smirk on his face, but the big prize is the final, as you know, with Trev. So five grand final wins in seven seasons. Just incredible. Did an immaculate job with this team this year. A team which everyone, I'm talking everyone, wrote off. And that's including, what was he called? That's the Outstanding Media Coverage Award to uh, Olgan Ulich. So he even wrote us off. And good job to Olgan. Great stuff. Great coverage of the East Coast of the NBL this year. It was just phenomenal. Going through the awards, we had Mitch Norton up for that Defensive Player of the Year award. Mitch Norton had an incredible year defensively. Don't get me wrong. And it kills me to say, because I think we're normally on the uh, wrong side of these kind of narratives, but I think the Damian Martin retiring, Mitch Norton stepping into that role, and he did a fantastic job. He's in the Boomer squad. He locked down some really big names. You saw the job that he did on Harvey this final series. And that's the other thing from that final series. I thought that Norton may have played himself into Defensive Player of the Year, but Justin Simon has been an anomaly all year. He has that length and that bounce defensively you can't teach, but no taking away from Norton's season. It was a fantastic season. Though it was a fantastic season, you do look at the things like defensive rankings and you see that he comes in, what was it this year? Uh, Defensively came in 43rd. And Justin Simon was the best performing defensive player this year. So even the advanced analytics weren't really backing Norto up there. But let's not dwell on that because Norto has had a fantastic year and that's no takeaway from his year. He could have been defensive player of the year in my opinion, just wasn't handed the award on the night. But big props to the MVP Bryce Cotton, 23.5 points per game, which led the league. He came in third for assists in the league with 5.7, and he was tied third with 1.5 steals per game. So first, third, third in those three categories in regards to the NBL rankings, which makes him going back to 1982, the first player since Andrew Gaze in 89 and Rucker, he did it in 95, 97, 98. 
but the first player since that time to appear in the top three of those three particular categories, which is just an incredible achievement. So Gaze, Rucker, huge names in Australian basketball. Cotton joins the list. He's now tied with Leroy Loggins for three MVP awards. Puts his name right back into the hat regarding the best import ever. We're not going to have that discussion today. Maybe that's an off-season discussion. But just an incredible job. Big props have to go to first-year pro John Mooney, who found himself in the NBL first team next to the guy he's going to be coming up against in Jock Landale. Mooney finished first in the league in rebounding. He finished first in the league in PER with 24.4. That was just ahead of Jock Landale. He finished fourth in offensive rating, fifth in defensive rating. He did absolutely everything right this year. He shot the three-ball 52% I think it ended up on on the year. He's having a bit more rough time in the playoffs, but it is a regular season award and he performed admirably in the regular season. But to be completely honest with you guys, there's not much I can say here which hasn't been said on the socials or you haven't heard before about these guys. I think the Wildcats fans have done a phenomenal job in paying props to players this year. I think we've really got behind our team. We've really got behind our guys. I think almost every single one of you should be really proud. Almost. There are a couple of sour grapes, but hey, I think the majority of us, I think we need to give ourselves a pat on the shoulder because we've stuck by this team for 36 games, three through the playoffs. I think all the interaction and stuff online has been really great. I've had a lot of fun talking it over with you guys and the Red Army this year is shown out again. In a COVID year, we tried to pack the place out week in, week out. We did an incredible job. I think if you go back a couple of podcasts, you can see that I think we filled it to 90% capacity on the season, which is incredible for what we could have brought to the table. So great job by the Red Army. We're going to have to see him out in spades in game one and game two. I can't wait for this final series to start. I hope you've had fun here in the corner. It's been a slightly longer podcast. We really had to review Illawarra. We had to preview Melbourne and we had to touch on the gazes because like I said, the night was red. Happy days. Hopefully in a couple weeks time, the night will be red one more time when we take home that three-peat. But until that time, it's been a pleasure chatting with you guys in the corner. I hope you have a great rest of your week, and I hope you're locked in for Perth Wildcats basketball this weekend. Let's go get this three-peat. Let's let Melbourne United know about it, and let's have some fun doing it. So from me here in the Cool Cats corner, peace out, crew.